Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. This is David Hanscom. I'm a spine surgeon, author of a book, Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. Each week, we do a weekly podcast with different, different guests on different aspects of chronic pain. This week, our guest is Melissa Cady, who's an anesthesiologist, pain specialist in Austin, Texas. We have done one podcast with her already, explaining her evolution and thinking in chronic pain. She and I feel very much the same about the different aspects of pain being solvable. We both had a lot of success seeing patients get completely pain-free. And I want her to come back and again and just tell us a bit more detail some of the things that she thinks need to change within the system to make the treatment of chronic pain more effective. Melissa, welcome to the show, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Dr. Hanscom. And just for the viewers or the listeners, I would say that I'm uh, my training gives me this perspective that might be a little bit different than some of the people currently in the mainstream pain medicine, but I was a personal trainer. I was an athlete, or at least before college, did a lot of athletic activities. I went to an osteopathic medical school, also accepted into an MD school, chose to learn some osteopathic manipulative medicine um, skill sets. And I also did a year of general surgery in my postgraduate training, a year of internal medicine, three years of anesthesiology, and then a one-year pain medicine fellowship. And so I'm dual board certified in pain medicine and anesthesia. However, I just work three to four days a week, now four days a week in anesthesia. But all of that background I think is relevant because it has created this background and perspective that's helped me look always from a multiple view viewpoint because of uh, some of the interventions I had learned, but also the things I did to help myself without using any interventions. And I think when it comes to the way pain medicine is being practiced, the thing that a lot of people don't realize, as much as my pain medicine colleagues might not like to hear, is that they don't really understand pain the way we need to understand pain. And we, when we're trained as pain medicine specialists in the pain medicine fellowships, we're really being taught how to um, go to this area where a patient is perceiving their pain and doesn't necessarily explain why they have the pain. And so I think that's a really important concept because people just want the pain to go away whenever they're in pain. They just want to get rid of it, avoid it, not deal with it, just get rid of it because it hasn't gone away on its own. And unfortunately, that is, that is not the way that um, when it comes to patients trying to find a way to master their pain, that is not the way that I find um, is the most uh, sustainable and healthy way to approach it because many times, as many people realize, if they're getting an intervention focused on what's called nociception, which is just information being sent to the brain um, to create this experience of pain, if you just focus on that and you numb it, it typically comes so it's not uncommon for many pain medicine patients to be frequent flyers, so to speak, where they're constantly coming back more and more. On occasion, it might get better, but they could have been getting better without that injection or that procedure anyway. So the way I've been trained has been in a very um, 
siloed kind of look at pain where it's just one component of the entire pain experience. And as you know, Dr. Hanscom, there's a lot of things that go on in our life and how we're living our lives and anxiety and depression and lack of sleep and all these things that can contribute to the pain experience. So if people don't appreciate that and understand that the way that sometimes we're living our lives or how we're coping with things, that that could be perpetuating and maintaining that pain, then you're going to be a victim of the system that what I call like a pain train, where you're constantly having to be on a train and receive passive treatments because it's hard to get better if you're not active in your own care. So I always tell people that your journey of pain is a journey you take most of the time by yourself because if you see a pain medicine specialist it's a very small percentage of the year that you're living that you see the specialist and so really what you're trying to do is utilize the medical system as a bridge not as a train and that you do have to walk that journey and accept that journey and learn from that journey and occasionally yes you will need a bridge for someone to support you educate you or at times in very rare circumstances maybe an intervention what do you think is the biggest obstacle from a physician's standpoint to successfully treating pain? Because you and I both know chronic pain is curable, solvable. Right now, most people look at pain as something to be managed, not solved. And by looking at it as a complex problem with a self-directed multi-pronged solution, I'm sorry, multi-pronged approach, patients almost always find their own solution to the problem. But the system right now is not rewarding us very well, but I'd like you to comment from your perspective about what you think that the system is doing to us as physicians that's precluding us from successfully treating chronic pain. Right. Well, thank you for keeping me on track there. <laughs> I, I think that all of these things that I'm speaking of, when you realize the way we need to treat pain more holistically, the system is typically uh, paying physicians to do things to patients. And so it makes it really hard to with the, the supportive aspects where you're creating a therapeutic relationship, meaning that you spend time with the patient, that you listen to them, you acknowledge their pain, you realize that regardless of what you think, if they're perceiving pain, it's real and it always will be real. But that time and the education, those are things that are not rewarded in the medical system that we're in. And the other thing that is a driver for very poor pain care is the fact we don't have time to spend with those patients that really need our time, especially if they've seen five or six different people and they've had a perpetuation or a worsening of their pain and they're already frustrated, they're already fearful. And if they don't get time to share their story, that just amps up the potential for more frustration. And then you got to deal with the medical system and pain bills and all of that. So it's never a, it's kind of like pain, Dr. Hanscom. You know, everyone that's listening should realize that there is a pain of dealing with getting through the medical system and um, pain itself is an emergent process that a lot of people are starting to talk about in pain science. It's not linear. It's not just one thing causes things. Sometimes it can be simple, but many times something's been persisting, a persistent pain. It's usually because it's more complex and then it takes time to figure that out. And so I make an analogy that the medical system is creating a pain from multiple angles, just like the pain in your life many times is coming from different angles. And so it is not always an easy fix because it takes time and patience and more importantly, 
great collaboration from people on the same page and in the medical system. We're not getting that from all the angles that we need in order to have a successful approach to pain. What I find ironic right now is that there's research that shows that listening and listening and understanding the problem just in and of itself is a healing modality. What I find really ironic, if you're going to assemble a car, build a building, plan a trip, you have to understand the variables before you embark on a journey. I find it ironic that people come with a symptom, it's just a symptom, then on a seven to 10 minute visit, there's a treatment recommended and then on to the, on to the next patient. I'll never forget a patient about five years ago who came in with neck pain. He was an older gentleman. There was his, there with his wife and his daughter. And he had, he had neck pain for about five years. And the scan was normal for his age, just some simple, simple degeneration. I was with the fellow. I said, look, I said to my fellow, every year we train four or five different spine fellows. I said, this doesn't take much time. It's not very hard. Just listen. I walked back into the room. I said, look, you have neck pain. Your scan looks pretty good. There's nothing surgical that we can recommend. It's not, not even an option for you. But sometimes stress changes the body's chemistry and pain appears where ordinarily you wouldn't have pain because you've changed the pain threshold. I said, have you, have you had any unusual stresses in the last couple of years? He holds up his hand in the shape of a gun and uses his middle finger to pull the trigger. And he goes, my son. I go, so I'm really sorry because unfortunately, Suicide within families is a pretty common problem. I go, did he commit suicide? He said, no, he was murdered. And then, of course, I was taken aback a little bit more. I said, can I ask what happened? It turns out that, that his grandson, who is a paranoid schizophrenic, has shot his father, who is his son. Hmm. That's stress. That was the diagnosis. It wasn't neck pain. Because that kind of stress is extreme. Living with a paranoid schizophrenic child, horrendous family stresses, your body chemistry is way off. And so treatments like physical therapy, epidural injections, all these different things that we talk about would make no difference at all. I don't know what happened, but again, understanding the problem is a huge, huge part of the problem. And it's ironic that something as complex as medicine and patients' lives, the one modality that's been taken away from us very clearly is time with the patients. Pretty frustrating. Absolutely. And it's, it's the reason why so many people that are clinicians, and it's not just physicians, but people that are in the system trying to serve and help those that are suffering. If you have physicians or clinicians that are suffering themselves because they're no longer able to make the rewarding connections with their own patients, it's really hard to treat those that are already suffering. So someone suffering, treating suffering is a really hard um, effective therapeutic relationship. And I even had a conversation with my own primary care physician today and, and trying to understand her dilemma. You know, there are real time constraints that are creating a very unhealthy system and creating unhealthy clinicians, which is why we have so many, you know, part of this, this angst and stress and uh, feeling of hopelessness and helplessness because you can't change a system. We have about 400 suicides a year with physicians alone. I mean, that's, that's a tremendous hit on the medical system when you have someone that's trained for so many years that want to help people and feel trapped. And I know we seem to talk about this quite a bit, but 
people need to understand that this is not a simple solution. And I think it's a, a solution that can be done, but we need everyone on the same page. And if we're going to have people that are not taking care of patients, trying to dictate to us how we're supposed to do our jobs with very limited time, we're not going to be going in the right direction. No, I agree. I mean, it's not possible for us to do our job without understanding the patient. And that's been completely taken away from us. But I think what's happened with the business of medicine is done. They're, again, I don't blame them in a way because whatever business you're in, whether it's manufacturing and providing services, you create a product, it has a profit margin, then you maximize the volume to increase the profit margin. In medicine, the profit margin is procedures. I gave a lecture on the East Coast that essentially every procedure we perform in spine care has been documented to be ineffective. Injections for back pain don't work, rhizotomies don't work, the spine core stimulators work a little bit, but not really very reliably. Spine surgery has a success rate of 24% at two-year follow-up for back fusion for back pain. And the only reason they're delivered is that because they're covered by insurance, the interventions that you and I know about, which is relaxation, massage, mindfulness-based procedures, medication adjustment, et cetera, time with the patient, none of those are covered by insurance. What we're calling mainstream medicine essentially is we're just pretending to do medicine. It's unbelievable. It's really good that we're just pretending. And then I think you mentioned your osteopathic background a couple of times, but I have trained many osteopaths and I do like the approach of looking at the body part of pain because you actually can't really feel pain unless you have the receptor in your body is to actually feel the pain. By the way, as you pointed out earlier, pain's a gift. It tells us to pay attention. It's not a curse. If you didn't have pain, you wouldn't survive. People are born without pain fibers called congenital indifference to pain. They only survive to about age 10 years old because they can't protect themselves. But going back to the original problem, essentially everything that we provide in medicine has been documented to be ineffective. The things that are, are effective aren't covered. But right now what we're doing in medicine is just churning out procedures that are random, that are not effective. It's pretty untoward. Right. And actually what is mainstream medicine, what is being accepted as normal really should be alternative medicine um, in the sense that those are alternates <laughs> when you, you can't get things to, to, to work or to uh, resolve in a more practical and logical way. If you are being logical and understanding of the body, you'd recognize that it has a capacity to heal that right. it's miraculous in and of itself. And right. if any of us had to be responsible for all the different things that have to go on our body in order for us to survive, we would be extinct as a species. Right. No, we have an inherent capacity to heal. And we both agree with the fact that what we're doing with the tools that we provide is allowing the patients to really connect with their own capacity to heal. And it's not that hard, but a big part of it is listening. But again, I find it's ironic that listening is an incredibly effective healing modality that is the one thing that's the essence of everything providing the correct treatments that are indicated, but also in and of itself is its own healing modality. It's the one thing that's been almost completely taken away, especially in the era of computerized medical records, because our time with the patient is monitored very, very closely. What do you think has to happen to change this? I mean, I know theoretically it's a huge, huge problem, but it's, but something has to change. Mm -hmm. What, I mean, do you see any concrete steps that the public can take physicians can take? Do that? I mean, I know I'm impressed with your efforts because 
Do you want to just briefly talk about your book and website? Sure. Just, I mean, your commitment to trying to get this message out in the world is really huge and a great personal sacrifice, both financially and with time and energy. But it's a very noble effort. But again, not many people are doing this. We, you know, I've talked that your efforts are commendable, but what do you think has to change at a systems effort? But let me just first hear about what you're doing now in your own arena. Sure. Well, just to kind of back step, you know, I, I realized that I had a big message to share. It was actually someone at the gym that said, you know, you really need to share your message because I was frustrated with the system like we've been talking about. And so I put out my book called Pandemic uh, back in 2016, which is an emphasis on a practical and holistic look at chronic pain in the medical system and what you can do to help yourself. It's not about being anti-opioid or anti-surgery. It's never a pendulum swing in one direction or the other. It's about being logical and thinking about the most least, if you had a child, whatever is the least invasive way that you can help your child, you would never jump into something as the most invasive thing. Um, you want to be practical about how you approach these things. So I put my word out there and my book and my knowledge continues to evolve. And I, at the last page of, of Pandemic, I wrote that if you had a story to share, to share it at Pain Out Loud and reach me there. And Pain Out Loud is a community online Actually, now I have an app. It's on Google Play and iTunes and allows you to listen to interviews that I've done with people that I call pain challengers, those that have found ways to overcome or to master their own pain. Doesn't mean they're pain-free, but they are much better off when they realize that they took an active role in their own care. And then pain professionals are those all over the world, not just physicians, they're all types of people that consider themselves kind of pain specialists. And sharing those interviews of their perspective of pain and how they help people with pain. And so that website, Pain Out Loud, also has products that over time I'll be developing to help educate people to have a better uh, approach to their own pain and to step back and, and hopefully not make as many mistakes as that we're seeing a lot of the community when we see people having their fifth surgery and still not seeing the light. And so my hope is just to... to you know, shed some light on um, better ways of doing things and, and realize that what we're doing in medicine is treating symptoms many times if it's just for pain and that there are more powerful ways you can do to help yourself. So those, those are my, my main things right now. And uh, of course, I put out a dance video that reflects this whole idea and perspective and that's on YouTube at, you can just go to Baby Got Back Better, Pain Out Loud and you'll find the video, but just to create awareness. It's a great video, by the way. Uh, you, you would really enjoy it. But I want to go back briefly to the burnout issue. It's not just burnout, but even just not enjoying the job, not having a lot of energy towards medicine. I mean, we've been captured by the business of medicine with their dramatic effect on patient outcomes. What is, what's your feeling if a physician, I use the word burned out, but just not enjoying what they're doing about the effect on the patient relationship, patient-physician relationship? Well, I'll tell you from personal experience, I needed to find a little sliver of time to spend on some creative efforts and feel like I get my own voice heard. So we're speaking about the importance of listening and telling your story. And I think I benefited just as much as anyone out there suffering from what they consider physical pain, but pain is pain. And so my pain within the system, uh, the way that I felt better, and it's just kind of coming to me right now, is that, you know, I 
basically told my story through my book and through online conversations and things that we're doing now and connecting with people that have a similar like-minded um, approach and or believe that there's a better way. And so sometimes I feel like you have to step outside the system because the system is not bucking for me, um, at least not at this point. And so I might as well go outside the system and try to develop um, a following or an expression of these things that people need to hear. And I do believe if things are going to change within the system that it's, I almost feel like the system has to be um, ripped apart or restarted, rebooted in a different way. And I think that the biggest impetus for change is when the consumer recognizes that there is a lack of value within the system and they're going to go find value elsewhere for better or for worse, when people get frustrated and have so much pain or they don't feel heard, they're gonna find a place to be heard. So the people that are gonna let themselves, you know, put themselves in front of the patient, give them that opportunity and they feel like they're cared for, that's where they're gonna to wanna to go. And if they're spending their own money, which it is happening right now, that people that can't afford that are gonna find a different way. And so I think that it takes some being brave and courageous and, um, you know, to somehow, some way, whether it's part, part time or just doing maybe something that I'm doing or, or your own unique you and put that out there and help people in the way that seems right to you. And it gives you sanity and helps you do your job within the system. If you have to keep your foot in the system to make a living, at least at that point in time. Right. Well, I appreciate, appreciate your perspective your efforts are in my mind, pretty heroic. And I know you're not giving up anytime soon, but, uh, I think Melissa brings a very creative angle to this process. Lots of new insights. Both of us are learning a lot about pain. Pretty much every week, something comes up that's just a little bit different. What our, one of our goals is that none of us look at this as a, as a competitive effort. The problem is so massively huge that we're working very hard on a collaborative effort. Anything we can do to help each other, we're doing. There's also multiple other colleagues around that are doing the same efforts. Whatever we can do, we feel strongly that Collaboration is really a key issue in making this process happen and hopefully make it collaborative enough we actually create create some change. But I appreciate being on the show. It's always a pleasure and we'll be staying in touch. Awesome. Well, thank you again. This is an absolute privilege and I'm looking forward to a lot of wonderful things coming up. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.